0: Pray, God, I thank you for this opportunity, Lord. I thank you, Father. Lord, even as Nicole prayed, that the people watching, the people here, Father, they're not here or watching by accident. Father, we believe in a God that is sovereign. We believe that you are all powerful, powerful enough to orchestrate all of life's details to bring us to this very moment. So, Father, I pray that you would speak to us. I pray that you would speak through me. Father, I I am just a broken vessel like anybody else. And so, Father, I thank you that wholeness comes from you, and I thank you that you can use anybody, and I thank you that I and we get to be living proof of that. In your powerful name, Jesus, amen. I just got done uh, my first time ever being uh, not preaching uh, out of the pulpit uh, for three weeks straight. I had done two weeks before, uh, but I've never done three weeks. The last two weeks were planned uh, with Pastor Ritter uh, and my, uh, my, my grandfather uh, preaching, uh, but the first week of the three was not planned. Uh, Sunday uh, evening, uh, my wife and I got a phone call uh, that my precious one-year-old niece had passed away uh, suddenly, and uh, she was 14 months old. A family tragedy. Uh, and so the next morning, uh, Graham graciously uh, drove me to Cherry Hill to meet my parents coming down from New Hampshire, to then uh, go down to Virginia and be with my youngest brother uh, and spend the week with them as they were going through, as we were going through a tremendous loss. And, uh, and so Graham, with like three or four days' notice, preached on 1 Samuel 16. Uh, did a fantastic job, and uh, on very little notice, because I was starting the week, and I was like, hey, I'm mentally not there. I'm not going to be able to put the time into this, and so Graham was able to preach. The elders were able to take some things from me to give me the freedom to go and do that, Uh, and this church, um, I will never question the love of God's people ever again. Uh, this church was supportive, is supportive, uh, the graciousness to Ava and travel packets and just uh, money to my, to my brother and, and my sister-in-law and just the, the gracious the freedom to be able to go and to be there with my family. Thank you. My brother, my middle brother, didn't have that same freedom. He, he had the freedom, but he had to call and get extra permission to spend the extra time uh, with my youngest brother. My parents are a little bit older in life and had a little bit more freedom in their jobs. They were able to spend two and a half weeks really with no questions asked. My kids were able to, they had the freedom to travel to Virginia for the, for the funeral and whatnot, but they didn't have the freedom to go back to school. <laughs> Uh, snitches get stitches. Someone snitched on us <laughs> and, uh, and the kids had to be quarantined for two weeks. Uh, they couldn't go to school after they went to Virginia. If they went to New York though, that was allowed. Uh, ironic, huh? Uh, anyways. Uh, and, and so, but Ava, Ava is self-employed. She has all the freedom in the world. She could go. She has the freedom to go and do whatever she wants, but she doesn't have the freedom to not work, but live as if she is. <laughs> So she had the freedom, but she also had to work. And so we all kind of went into it with different levels of freedom. How would you define freedom? Google defines freedom uh, like, like this. The power or the right to act, speak, think as one wants without hindrance or resistance. Different levels of freedom and our ability to come alongside family. See, I like that definition. I want that definition. I just don't want you to have that freedom. I trust myself with that freedom, sometimes, but I don't trust other people with that same freedom. Because what happens when our freedom's butt heads? Who gets to put the boundaries on freedom? Who gets to define freedom for us and what is allowed and what is not allowed? Is not most of the fighting in America right now because we don't like how the other side is using their freedom? When it comes to Jesus, we're going to look at Galatians 5, 1 through 6, what Nicole read in the, in the worship set. It is my lifer passage. If you ever got a, a postcard from me or a, a, a card from me, you likely saw Galatians 5, 6 written on it. This means so much to me. Why? Because the freedom that I see laid out in, in Scripture, the best type of freedom is the freedom that we have in Christ Jesus. Paul is writing in Galatians uh, to, the, to a region The Galatian region, a whole slew of churches, Galatians are are made up of Gentiles. You can think of that as non-Jewish people. The early church struggled with racism, and Paul is addressing this. You want people to come to faith in Jesus Christ, but you Jewish Christians are elevating the law to a place that if you are a Gentile, let's say a 35-year-old man, turning to Jesus, now you're saying he has to get circumcised to follow the law? Dude, what? And so he's addressing this freedom in Christ versus the law keeping of following Jesus, if you will, and how the system that Jesus established for us and how we move forward as freedom, with freedom in Christ Jesus. Let me remind you of that first verse. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Sounds redundant. But stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. You were were in a jail cell. You put yourself there by your own deeds, and seal team Jesus came in and liberated you, freed you from that jail cell. Freedom then to a new lifestyle, a new way of doing things, Before, you were not perfect. You are not perfect. No one here has ever claimed perfection. And that one thing that you've done, because I'm sure it was only one thing, the wrath of God was meant for you. You were a, or maybe you are a free person waiting to be sentenced. But Jesus frees us from the jail cell. And now, because of our sin nature, because of what we are comfortable with, we want to go back to the jail cell. We want to go back to that way of living where I do, 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 to earn, 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 never realizing or never really wanting to come to terms with that I cannot earn perfection. But we're comfortable in that system. Remember back to, to the early early uh, Israelites? They leave Egypt. God does the plagues. God, God sends all these things. They, they leave Egypt, let my people go. The waters split. They walk through on dried land, and then they start wandering around. you remember what the Israelites would grumble and complain and say? We want to go back to slavery. What? You've seen God do all this? He's providing you literal food every single day, and you want to go back to what? Have you forgotten? This is a picture of, of a yoke. They want that yoke of slavery again. The yoke of slavery would, would show to us this element of forced submission which breaks the definition of submission but where we don't have rights where we have a prescribed set ways of doing things where we have to follow this we're yoked to another we have to follow this manner of life In, in the religious terms we we ascribe to this inflexible list of thou shalt and thou shalt not to remain pure and to be acceptable before god But submission carries with it, by definition, choice, choice. Forced submission is not submission. Did you know that there is a word for that? It's the word subjugation. Subjugation means this, the action of bringing someone or something under domination or control that I can willingly bow my knee. I can willingly submit myself to a being that is more powerful or even weaker than me, but the choice to submit is mine to bow the knee. If it is forced upon me, it's not submission. It's subjugation. So tied into this verse is a choice that we have. Whose master do you want to be master of your life? Who do you want? What system do you want to describe to? We can choose Christ. And here's the big thought for us this morning or whenever you watch online, it's this. We choose freedom when we choose Christ. When we choose Jesus Christ, we are choosing a system of freedom, the best type of freedom. When we choose Jesus, we choose freedom. And so these remaining verses, Paul is going to contrast Two different attributes of way, two different systems of living, and we can choose which system we wanna live in. We can choose to live in the system of I have to or choose to live in the system of I get to, leaving us with a choice. First, the attributes of the I have to life. Look, I, Paul, say to you, if you accept circumcision, Christ will be of no advantage to you. I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision that he is obligated to keep the whole law. You are severed from Christ. You who would be justified by the law, who would stand before God God Almighty and say, I am justified before you, holy God, on the basis that I am a law-abiding citizen. You have fallen away from grace. This is chapter 5 in the book. And Paul is saying, now look, I, Paul, am writing to you as if the Galatians didn't know who was writing to them. As if the region didn't know, Paul made it clear in chapter 1 who's writing this book. But now in chapter 5, he says it again. Look, it's me, Paul. I'm the one writing this. Why is that important? Because Paul used to be a legalist. Paul used to be a Pharisee. He used to have the resume that would say, I am the greatest law-abiding Jewish person on planet Earth. Look at me. I'm traveling to Damascus. And yet Jesus knocked me off my donkey. I was on the way to persecute and kill Christians. In the name of holy God, I was doing God's work. So I thought. He knocked me off my donkey, I turned to Jesus, and I went from the poster child of a law-abiding citizen to saying there is a different way of living. If I can say this, if I can come to terms with this, so can you. So in these verses, he points out three consequences, three attributes to the I have to type of life. The type of living that says in my religious faith, I have to do this for God. I have to, I have to, I have to. Consequence number one is that Christ will be of no benefit to you. This line of thinking says that, you know what? Cutting off a piece of my body is my ticket to heaven. What, when, what universe? go to the local coffee shop and say, hey, turn to Jesus, we're gonna need to head to the hospital. How's that gonna go over? But in essence, that's what he's saying as a law abiding citizen to say, Christ is not my difference maker. Christ is not my advantage. No, Christ is the advantage. This to say that I have to do something to my body to earn my right standing with God, snubs the very one who freed us from the law. The gospel plus anything, is never the gospel the gospel plus jesus only is the gospel jesus anything jesus everything is the gospel the second the second element the second consequence of this type of i have to type thinking is that you're obligated to keep the whole law have you ever walked around or hung out with religious people like the very religious you get to know them you share a cup of coffee with them You know what religious people are very good at? Picking and choosing when to be religious. They are so good at, I'll be religious over here. I'll be the poster child of this, 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 and this. But this secret list over here, I'm not religious. I'm okay with these things going away. Religious people are so good at picking and choosing. Paul, a, Pharise- a former Pharisee, a dropout Pharisee, was, knew this. And he's saying, no, if you want to go back to the I have to life, the I have to life is an I have to in everything. You can't be the religious type of person thinking that you can earn your right standing with God if you're going to pick and choose where to be religious. It's all or it's nothing. And the third consequence is that you alienate yourself from Christ's grace. You're opting into the law and opting out of grace. No, you don't lose your salvation. Paul doesn't say here that you have fallen away from salvation, but now you're choosing a lifestyle that you're trying to, you have Jesus, but now you're trying to earn Jesus's approval. What more approval, what more love could you have than that that was shown on you at the cross and through the resurrection? You have it all, and now you're going back to this old system. This old system has nothing to do with grace, you're going back to an I have to life. In his book, uh, Changes That Heal, uh, uh, Henry Cloud talks about this. He's a psychiatrist, and uh, he talks about a group session. He, has, uh, he goes to the, the hospital, has many different group sessions with people uh, struggling through mental health and just needing, needing some, you know, somebody to talk to in a, in a group setting. So he talks about how in his group session, a few weeks in, he brings a baseball bat, and he says, okay, I'm, I, here, guys. I'm going to give you permission. I'm going to give this bat to somebody, and you have permission uh, to beat me senseless. A little shock. And, uh, and so they go around, and they say, like, well, why wouldn't you want the bat? And, uh, and so he says there's two responses every single time. There's multiple responses, but here are two that happen every single time. Usually the very first person says it's wrong. I would not take the bat and beat you senseless because it is wrong to do. Good, you should think that, because it is. (laughs) Another person, eventually, in the circle, will say, well, we're a few weeks in. I kind of like you. You're a good dude. You've said a lot of things. Last week, you helped me over here thinking through this. I really like you. I wouldn't want to beat you over the head senseless with this baseball bat. And so he, he concludes the time by saying, okay, now, if you had to give the baseball bat to somebody, who would you give it to? And he says, they don't always come to the right answer. So sometimes he has to guide them, but he says, here's the right answer. You don't want to give it to the guy that says, well, it's wrong. You want to give it to the person that says, well, you're a really good dude, and I really like you. I wouldn't want to beat you over the head with a baseball bat. Why? Because if human nature has proven anything in the last 3,000 years or so, it's that we're great at breaking laws. We're great when push comes to shove at saying these laws are optional but there's something about relationship that drives us to stay on the straight and narrow a whole lot better than any system of law can do. So the I have to like really won't keep us in that, that system of holiness. It's the person that's motivated by relationship is, is his ultimate point. Now you can get to the same place, You can say, I get to love God or I have to love God. And you know what? The end result is your life might look the same, but only one life comes with joy. And the flip side of the I have to life is ego. You have to one-up the person next to you. You have to outdo them. You have to be seen. When, when life comes to an end, you have to hope that you have all the approval of God, that you've done enough, that you've outdone everybody around you. Your approval before God cannot be assumed. You live your life with a giant what if. You live your life with a giant I hope so. Is that the type of life that brings joy? There has to be a better way, and yet there is. The attributes of the I get to life. Here's what Paul says through the Spirit. Through the Spirit, by faith, we ourselves eagerly wait the hope of righteousness in Jesus Christ. Neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything but only faith working through love. There used to be this chasm, this distance created between you and God. It was a chasm that you couldn't overcome. If Christ is perfect, if God... Trinity, Holy Spirit, if that, if God three in one is holy and perfect, one imperfection keeps you from God and creates this chasm. The wrath of God is gonna come out over your sin. But you know what freedom is? Freedom is the wrath of God meant for you was taken out on somebody else. So now you can have communion. Now you can have relationship with God. The chasm is gone. How? The death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Your your works only brought death. His finished work brings us redemption, brings us back to life. And now where you were unholy, now where you were full of of imperfections, now the Holy Spirit lives inside of you because the Holy Spirit can, because the blood of Jesus has washed over you and now the Holy Spirit can indwell you. And guess what? The Holy Spirit is not okay with you, do you? The Holy Spirit's never been okay with that. So now your freedom that welcomes in the Holy Spirit into your life is that you are freed from for freedom, too. To be all that God wants you to be. And what Paul is talking about here is that this biblical freedom is best expressed in one virtue love. Faith working itself out through love. That we have the freedom to choose Christ. Not because we have to, but because we can. If it was forced, when love is forced, you Go to jail. We need to stop treating Jesus like a male order savior. We can choose our Jesus and he chooses us. And here's the reality what Paul talks about there of this future righteousness, this future hope, is that you don't have to wait for perfection. Perfection is yours in Christ Jesus. You don't have to try to become righteous. Righteousness is yours in Christ Jesus. You are not walking around as a dirt bag. You are walking around as somebody who was raised from the dirt because of Christ Jesus. Now, as I studied this, something that we're doing in our church, kind of like in some of our early uh, ministry circles, if you will, like in Well Basics and other circles, we're trying to infuse this, this, uh, this thinking of soap. Scripture, observation, application, prayer as like the, how we can function uh, in our morning time with Jesus, how we can engage with God, a, little, a, a very simple system to doing that. And so I've been, I needed to redo my, my morning time with Jesus this past week and, and, and just you know, some new habits and practices. And so I went, I'm going through soap, real simple. And I, and I started uh, with this, one of these passages was I think like day four. And it hit me, probably why I love this passage is because it hits my nature I'm by nature a legalist. I'm by nature a Pharisee. It's where I'm comfortable. I'm comfortable with my checklist, and I'm comfortable doing, 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 and God, I hope you approve. And and, and as I was journaling this passage, it it hit me. I was like, well, wait, Jason, I asked the question in 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 the application side, like, well, where am I inclined to be a Pharisee? Where am I inclined to do something religious just to do it? And, and, I, and I thought, you know what? It's probably my Bible in a year. Every single year, I go through the Bible. I listen through the Bible on my phone uh, in a year's time, and I just kind of done it. And now it's habit, and I, now I just do it to do it. And so I journaled. Okay, like if I'm going to keep doing it, why should I keep doing it? And on the screen is is a picture from uh, from my tablet about the reasons why I wrote that I should keep doing it. That it's not my obligated time with Jesus, obligated loosely. That I can I can I can have my time with Jesus. Uh, because, you know what, I have other deeper time with Jesus, this, this reading through the year, like, that's not the end-all be-all for me, uh, it's not super deep, I do it because I get a yearly scope of God's Word, I do it because it takes, uh, there's little nuggets that God uses, I do it because, you know what, back in the day when I was going through some stuff, I was listening through the, the story of Job, and God really used Job in my life, I do it because, you know what, listening to ESPN Viagra commercials, <laughs> You know, there's better uses of my time because there's a lot on that on ESPN. And you know what? At the end of the day, I don't have to, but it's an opportunity and a privilege that I have in 2021 to be able to listen to God's word on my phone. So I kind of went through all of these rationales, and I was like, you know what? Why don't I just do it just to do it? And, and do it because it fills me, and uh, it serves the purpose of, like, this isn't the end-all, be-all of my time with Jesus. So I can do it while I work out. It's my first eight minutes while I'm working out, and why not do it? And it reminded me of the why. It reminded me of how God uses it. And now that time is is all the more fulfilling. And it, it showed me if I lose sight of the why, I become a Pharisee. When I embrace the why, I love it because I love my Jesus. So how are you living? Are you playing like the spot on the team is already yours? You don't really need to try out too hard. You already have the spot. Or are you playing tight because you don't know if you have a spot on the team and you might not get it? Are you enjoying the relationship because you're mutually committed to one another? Or are you fighting, hoping that she'll desire you back at some point? Do you have a spot on the team? You love the team. You're busting your butt simply because it's for the love of the game. That would be the ideal situation, wouldn't it? Do you have the girl and you're pursuing her simply because she's your girl and you're madly in love with her? That would be the ideal, isn't it? Or sadly, when we embrace the I have to life, do you have a spot on the team, but you stopped caring to be on the team? Do you have the girl, but you stopped caring to have the girl? When we choose Jesus, we choose freedom. There's attributes that of the I have to life, and there's attributes of, of the I get to life. I'm going to invite the band back up. Nicole, can you hold this right here? Uh, right here. Jay, right here. Where's Alex? Alex my masked friend, there you go. Just hold that right there for a second. Hey, let, me, let me, before I get into these, these posters, let me, let me illustrate it like my marriage. Like a healthy relationship I would hope is, is my marriage. Do I have to stay faithful to Ava? Well, yeah, she's made it very clear the wrath of God that will come out on me. Uh, does that keep me faithful? No, I'm faithful because she's my ball and chain. That's not going to win me brownie points on Valentine's Day. I'm not faithful because she's my ball and chain. I'm faithful because she's my ride or die. I'm faithful because she's it. I'm faithful because back in the day, I heard a song that said, if you like it, you better put a a ring on it. And so I did. (laughs) My love for her drives my faithfulness. Not that she's my ball and chain. See, both outcomes could lead to faithfulness. But only one outcome allows us to enjoy the relationship. Jesus died to set us free, to enjoy relationship with him. There are three options before us. We can live in la-la land, we can live in the world of legalism, or we can live in the world of love. There are plenty of things in life that are non-moral, Things that aren't evil in and of themselves. Money is not evil. Sex is not evil. Your hobbies perhaps are not evil. The way you spend your time is perhaps not evil. What you do with your calendar, what you do with your fitness. There's a whole lot of things that in and of themselves are not idols, are not gods themselves, but when we are broken, when we step into the gray, we can make them unholy places. We can take them to the places of idols, and so if we're living in la la land, we don't we don't care about the why. And I do what I want. If we want to live the legalistic approach, then we've just simply forgotten about the why, and I do things because I have to do things. Or we can live in the in the in the world of love where you're motivated by the why, and I get to. So when it comes to money, do you, you want to? I do what I want. Or, you know what? I give 10% because I have to. I'm obligated to. Or, I love my Jesus, and I can't give him enough. When it comes to to a marriage, how do I love my wife? Well, I do what I want. That sounds like a great marriage. (laughs) I, I bring my wife flowers because I have to. Or, I walk the way of love, where I remember the selfi- selfless, sacrificial love of my Jesus, where I get to love my wife in that same way, modeling for her the love of Jesus. When it comes to your your social media, which represents you? When it, when it, when it comes to the way you parent your kids, which, which represents you? Those things are non-moral, they're not evil in and of themselves. When it comes to how you're spending your time, what dominates you? See, when, when it comes to gray areas here, sometimes you, you know you're wrong, but you don't see anything wrong with it. When it comes to the gray areas that maybe aren't clearly laid out in Scripture, and you're the, you're the legalist, you know what you start to do? You make your own rules and your best practices, and then you force them upon others. Or you can walk the way of love that says when circumstances come your way, here's a question that you can ask yourself. What does love require of me? What does love require of me? He We love because he first loved us. I don't have to do anything for my Jesus because he's already completed all that needs to be completed. Now, because I embrace Jesus, I can ask the question, what does love require of me? You guys can put those, those posters down and, and I guess get ready for the closing song there. <laughs> When love dominates us, we don't ask things like, well, how far is too far? We're gonna be helping out with the youth on Wednesday night. Youth love to ask that question. They start dating their nice little girl or their nice little boy or whatever they date. And they'll ask, well, how far is too far? Is that the right question? Because when, what does love require of me? How can I best love Jesus in this relationship? When, when it's, well, how much money do I need to get? How much money do I need to cough up to the church? What does love require of me? God, how do I show you love in my finances? So here's my challenge, something that I actually went through uh, probably a week and a half ago. Like I told you, it is in my sin nature to be a legalist, to be an I have to person, to find my own best practices and say to others, this is what you ought to do as as if it's in scripture. It's a disgusting part of who I am. I've learned it quite well over the last year and so my challenge to us today if you're in this room check out social media you'll see this link if you're on social media you'll see the link dropped below i'm going to invite you to do accidental pharisee by larry osborne through right now media it's six sessions two minute videos with like three or four questions that pokes at you know what where might you be like a pharisee and i'm going to challenge you to consider this week that question I've said yes to Jesus. I get to love him. So in those areas of life, what does love require of me? We're going to close with a new song that, uh, that the band has graciously um, agreed to sing, and we're going to be singing it over the next few weeks. It's by Carrie Jo. It's called First Love. There's this part that says, like, your love is wild for me. It talks about you are my first love. I feel my heart beating out of my chest. As we consider how to walk out of here, not with obligation to Jesus, but with the opportunity to love him, which is worship willfully, consider your first love. Let's sing.